0: Hello and welcome to episode two of the Midnight Moon Astrology podcast. I'm your host, Juniper, and today is Sunday, June 22nd, 2019. Today we're recapping NORWAC 2019, the Northwest Astrological Conference that takes place in Seattle, Washington. I have two guests with me, Drew Levante and Kelsey Tortorici. Um, If you guys want to tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself and your relationship with astrology, Drew, do you want to go first?
1: Sure. Yeah, I've been doing it for a year, basically, like since last... Equinox, like the the equinox in March of twenty eighteen, was pretty much when I started, um, and yeah, I've this was my first astrology conference. I met um, I met you guys before that through uh, Chicago Astrology, and it's been really good getting getting exposure to everybody and like meeting meeting new people. So that's kind of where I'm at with astrology right now.
0: That's amazing that it's only been a year. I actually thought it would be much longer because you're really good at it. You picked up on so much so fast. Are you done with the Hellenistic course that Chris Brennan does? or?
1: Yeah, I took that... I, took the, I, I got laid off on the first day of Mercury Retrograde and decided to, to go for it. So I just took it and it took me like a, a month because I had, you know it was just the main thing that I was doing. So
2: Wow, that's amazing. How about you guys? I can also attest to Drew's level of astrology because I heard Chris Brennan say to Drew at Norwalk. You are one of the only people that finished my course that fast and did like, okay. On no, t- I think
1: he said not, ter- I think he said not terribly, not terribly which
2: that then I laughed I, at yeah, and he, lied. he re-qualified Drew as a wonderful student. <laughs> it was a funny moment. Good. Um, I had to look up a few months ago when my friend first did my chart. I like had to go back into my email address and see when she had emailed me my chart and it was June of 2015 So I had my first, like, moment with astrology four years ago. And I guess I've been studying it since then and definitely, like, dove in really quickly starting then, but didn't, I I wouldn't, I didn't want to label myself an astrologer until pretty recently. Um, I feel like I'm adequate at reading charts as of just within the last, like, few months, and I haven't finished any formal studies yet. But, yeah, so having my chart read was, like, the the big moment for not even read just calculated and finding out I was more than an Aries was a big deal and then I started listening to podcasts and learned a lot from podcasts for a couple years and now I'm enrolled in the first year program at the Portland School of Astrology and I started inviting people to my house like probably over a year ago now I started inviting people over and had like informal astro meetups in my living room where I just invited all my friends that knew astrology over and that was a, a good way of learning as well and then I went to UAC and met a lot of astrologers and that's where I met Juniper yep um yeah now I host the astrology meetups at my nonprofit here in Chicago inner Sense, which is where I met Drew yeah, I
0: feel like you're really good at the connecting thing. You know, you find people, you get people to meet other people, and you make groups, and you get, we've actually got a physical place in Chicago now, and that's really made a big difference, especially for, like, you know, younger astrologers, and i am seeing that pick up a whole lot. Though.
1: I think the astrology, sh- the Chicago astrology thing is totally, like, we have a new space because of what Kelsey's done, and it's incredible to, like, see people talking about it on Twitter now, and I think after mm-hmm. more whack, there's going to be a little bit more of an uptick, too, um, because now we have people outside of Chicago recognizing like this meetup that we do in, in Chicago as like, mm-hmm. an important center for Chicago astrologers. So.
2: Yeah, it's funny because the reason the meetups started were just completely selfish for me. I was like, I need to talk about astrology, so I need everybody I know to come teach me for free at my house. You know, that's like how it started. <laughs> that's a great thought. Um, but I have a disseminating moon. <laughs> me too! Also. And like a lot of Sagittarius energy, a lot of fifth house stuff going on, um, intense seventh house stuff as well. And so for me, like learning something that I love and immediately wanting to share it is a norm. So the moment that I started loving astrology, I needed to find an outlet to experience it with people and share it with people and learn people. So I'm really grateful that that's been well received. And it just happened to line up really perfectly with the nonprofit opening because we opened last October
0: yeah it, it's changed so much so
2: fast and I feel like you, every time I go to the Astro meetups there it, you always have a good turnout mm-hmm. like it's the, I think it's the thing that gets the most attendance of everything really? we do yeah and I think that's it's good it's only
1: once a month for that reason because it's like it's not
2: oversaturated yeah exactly yeah.
1: Juniper when did you start
2: going to the meetups here?
0: oh that's a good question I want to say it was early this year when you started yeah
2: no you came last year I'm pretty yeah. sure I feel like you were at the first one at InnerSense maybe I was I I I have to look in my my journals we would have met over a year ago now at UAC and then I know I wanted to come and there was at
0: least a few in there that I had something else going on or I was out of state or something um but I think I basically come to every single one yeah. as long as I'm in town.
2: Well, so. and you were at the ones at my house before yes, they were real yes, things, Yes, yes. definitely too. did some stuff in the summer at your house before. I, mean, I didn't
1: realize there was this history to it of, like, being in Kelsey's yeah. house. I didn't know my that. My old house, yeah. yeah.
2: I actually hosted um, Eugenia Kroc of the Accessible Astrology podcast for a workshop when she was touring. And I was gone too. for
0: that, too. I definitely would have been there otherwise. I
2: heard her talk about that on her podcast. I'm looking up your account right now with Innersense. To see when the first (laughs) one you came to was. In December... Oh, you're right. In December, you came to a tarot class. And then January of this year was the first meetup. Okay. So January of 2019.
0: And so as far as astrology conferences go, we are all in a slightly different place. Um, This was Drew's first astrology conference, NORWAC 2019. And it was Kelsey's first NORWAC, as she said she'd been to UAC... And this was my third astrology conference. I did a NORWAC in 2017. I barely knew a soul. And then I was also at UAC. And so, and then after this, Drew and I are going to the Great Lakes Astrology Conference GLAC in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, But we are all Chicago-based astrologers. And we all kind of came into it a little bit differently. Um, What kind of expectations did you guys have coming into NORWAC?
1: I kind of expected to be more starstruck than I was because, like, you know, you was like you listen to a podcast or something and you'll be like oh these people are like such huge deals and then you like meet them and it's like oh they're actually just like people who have the same weird hobby that i have um, so there's like a there's something about being at a conference where it's like everybody's on the same level and everybody's willing to share their knowledge. So
0: And I feel was, like that's yeah. changed depending on the conference that you go to mm-hmm. too because I've heard at least from other people that there are some conferences where some of the more well-known astrologers were more segregated or mm-hmm. where it maybe wasn't appropriate to you know approach them at different times. But NORWAC, as far as I can tell, has always been a little bit more family-oriented mm-hmm. and everyone did seem really
2: chill at this one that you could go up and talk to anybody and people were cool with that. So I think a big... I imagine a big reason for that culture of like it being comfortable to go say hi to these people that you look up to and have never met and introduce yourself is because so many people at this NORWAC like we can I think we can pretty much safely say that the reason that this NORWAC sold out for the first time and the reason that there was such an uptick in young astrologers there is because of Chris Brennan and the work he's doing with the astrology podcast and then Kelly and Austin as satellites of that and we've heard those of us that listen to the podcast my first point is that's why a lot of us were there and then my second point is that we've those of us that listen to all of those episodes have heard the three of them say over and over and over how important community is to them and invited people to come up to them you know so there's just no doubt in your mind that when you go do it it's going to be appreciated yeah it's it's actually amazing
0: how much the astrology podcast has changed since I started listening to it because it felt a little more niche when I first started and then within like that same year it really exploded then all of a sudden everybody who was doing astrology was listening to it like regardless of whether they were Hellenistic or not and I think the forecasts have really helped with that and you know they talk about everything on there so that's it's kind of been our first exposure to conferences and hearing about what that might be like. And because I know it made me brave enough to come in 2017. I had started Chris's Hellenistic course in like February of that year. And then by May, I was coming to the conference and I didn't really know that many people coming into it and it was a lot harder I will say this conference was much easier as far as making friends goes. so
2: yeah to your original question what what were your expectations I think that I had a pretty good sense of what it would be like having gone to UAC and knowing that NORWAC was a little smaller and knowing that because I had gone to UAC I was gonna be a little less overwhelmed because I knew some people, because I knew it would be smaller, because I'd been to a conference before. But yeah, I felt a lot more comfortable at NORWAC than I did at UAC last year.
0: That's interesting, because I actually, I felt really comfortable at UAC because there were so many new people, and so you constantly met more people. You never felt like you were off on your own. Um, I think I added about 50 new Facebook friends after UAC, and. And we were also there for so long that you couldn't help but get to know people. You didn't miss out. Um, I was there for like a solid week. So mm-hmm. did anything surprise you or, you know, was a little unexpected at Norwak Or I know for me, uh, having gone in 2017 and then having gone in 2019, it was... I don't want to say like night and day, but it was really different having that many people there, that many new people, all the Pluto and Sagittarius generation coming out. Hey, hey, um, So much more diversity and, you know, whether it was ethnicity or gender fluidity or, you know, just all the different kinds of people were there. It was really fun to talk to people that I had never seen in the Astro community before, face-to-face, so.
1: Yeah, I think for me, I, I, I struggle answering the unexpected question because I knew very little of what to expect, so it was... Kind of a, a Uranus experience for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what were your overall impressions coming back from Norwalk? You know, how did you guys feel? Um, what was your general impression of the conference?
2: I had a hard time seguing out of Norwalk because I was only home for one night, and then I had to get back on the road. So I never got my like assimilation integration piece. So I've been trying to be really um, intentional about setting aside time now that I'm back and, like, in the summer schedule, which is a little bit lighter for me, to, like, look at my uh, notes and, like, make decisions about which recordings I want to buy. And, of course, I'm not doing it to the extent I would like to. I'll have to hear you guys reflect first because I just feel like it all just happened still and I haven't had my moment to assimilate. Yeah, I I guess my overall impression was
1: being really... Impressed and in awe of the diversity of um, of practices that people engage in through astrology. Like you have your astrology people, and then you have like everybody who is into astrology also has other things that they're into. And just hearing about how astrology like meets up with those other interests is really cool to me. Um, Because for me personally, like I've just been an astrologer to this point. And there hasn't been a whole lot of like mixing with other kinds of practices, like I mean, just like you know, crystals or Reiki or, um, or or herbalism or different things like that. And I think it's so cool that we come together and are able to share ideas about those things that are in between astrology and your life, like the other things that you do. So it, it's inspired me to to explore other things besides astrology that might enhance my experience of astrology it's been one impact
0: for me. Yeah, that's really true because I think you know I was exposed to paganism before I was exposed to astrology. And so sometimes you just take that for granted, but if you come in just as an astrologer, that's mm-hmm. a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, comparing the two, I felt like having the meet and greet, like the first day, was really helpful because it kind of gave us that intention to go and meet new people. Sometimes when you're wandering around the lobby, you're kind of like, well, have those people known each other for 25 years and they don't really want me (laughs) encroaching on their group? Or, you know, have these people also just met and they're happy to have new people? It's a little hard to read it sometimes. And if you go to a meet and greet, then you're kind of... You know everybody's there to meet other people. And I thought that was really helpful. It was outside.
2: Were you guys at that? Did you come later? I when came a little later.
0: Okay. Did the we show up together? The,
2: I think we might have.
1: Yeah, we... we we rolled up together, like, as it was finishing, and people were... What were they doing? They were saying... It was weird. It was weird. I it don't was wrap. weird to miss <laughs> the
2: intro and walk in when we did.
0: You know, you guys walked in when they were calling up, pe- like, they were having people share something, and I don't remember exactly, but like, with that whole doing before. Oh, right, because they, they had prizes and things like that, too, so I like, think people got tarot decks and... Um, But what they were doing before is, like, there were snacks, and they were trying to mix up um, people who where it was their first conference, people where it was their first NORWAC, and then people who had been to, you know, plenty of NORWACs and conferences before, and getting everyone to talk to each
2: other so that no one really felt
0: left out. And I did, like, mill around and and meet some new people there
2: that I don't think I would have otherwise, so. I agree with you that it can feel scary and I'm a very extroverted and like for the most part socially comfortable person but I was less socially comfortable at NORWAC than in most situations of my life which I expected because I also felt that way at UAC. Do you know why um, that is sir? I think I've done a lot of reflecting on it (laughs) because especially at UAC last year I remember being like whoa I have not felt this socially anxious in a long time what is it I think for me this probably isn't all of it but I think a lot of it especially last year and a little bit still this year at NORWAC but especially at UAC I felt a little imposter syndrome like I'm such a baby astrologer should I even be here and that in comparison to the role I play in most situations in my life, like I'm a high school teacher, at least in the community that I mostly am with. I'm the person that knows the most about astrology, you know, I'm just like used to being the teacher. So I, I never would have thought that being back in the learner position would be uncomfortable for me because usually when I seek it out, I'm very comfortable like I'm a lifelong student as well but something about being with all these people and knowing that I was like one of the most novice at this thing that we're all here gathering for at UAC made me like I could not even keep up with conversation at UAC sometimes. Which is, was not true at Norwac. Mm-hmm. Like there were little things where I'd have to be like, "What's wait? What's that? Can you remind me what that means?" But I remember at UAC, I like I didn't even have my chart memorized at UAC. You know, so people would be like, "Where's your blank?" and I would be like, "Uh, you know." And oh, it's, I can <laughs> see <how> that. <laughs> intimidating yeah. yeah. So that. Yeah. So, anyways, what I meant to say when I started on this tangent is that yes, it is scary to approach people, but I have had zero situations where it hasn't been positive walking up to people and i actually found that the more and more people just did that randomly with me like entered a circle i was talking to and introduced themselves and like when i got to be the one holding that space of like yeah come on in hi the more i did that the more comfortable i felt also butting into conversations and introducing myself but i needed to be on the like receiving end of it a few times before i could do it myself that makes sense but everybody's eager to meet each other like I heard one person say that they had a negative experience introducing themselves to someone, but I didn't experience that at all.
0: Okay, that's good to hear, yeah. I think for me, like I, I, I always felt okay knowledge-wise, but in previous conferences, I wasn't a professional astrologer yet, and there was a little bit of a gap that way, and I know at UAC, I just really want it to be. I was just looking forward towards it, and I just hadn't had the time to get everything set up, and so coming in now with a website and with a podcast and with other things going on, and I'm going to be teaching in Chicago, and that you definitely feel a lot better being able to come in and talk to people on that level. Um, Before, it was always just a hobby. I never really planned to go career in any capacity, so
1: maybe I'm a little bit the opposite of Kelsey this way, but I feel less socially anxious when I'm able to talk about astrology. So, um, coming into the conference, well, I'm at least in the conference setting. Yeah. yeah, That was also the case for me where I was like, oh, cool. I've never like talked to so many people who are into this before. So it was, um, it was really cool. And, um, the first, the first night actually, like my, my neighbor, uh, or our neighbor was um, was Joe Gleason, and I like ran into her in the hallway and ended up like in, basically inviting myself over to her little powwow with like some other people around my age. So it was like it was cool to just like do that. and I felt really welcomed by everybody. So that was kind of the overall impression. It was just like a very community vibe. And, yeah, I'm excited to see where all those relationships go.
2: I will say one reflection that I had after Norwalk that's kind of relevant to what you were just talking about, Drew was just the opportunity to be in a week-long experience with people, in a place with people where you don't have to qualify that thing that Mm -hmm. you're really passionate about. And that was kind of like leaving Norwalk and realizing how sad I was about losing that aspect of it, even though I was, like, really ready to go home and really craving some alone time. That aspect of it, I was, like, almost in tears about. I remember vividly, like, walking into the airport and being like, okay, it's different now, you know? And I, for me, the interesting reflection piece was that my whole astrological interest and study up to this point, I've heard astrologers say, God, being into astrology is so isolating and it never... Resonated with me because my nature is to be like, I love this, here it is, share it with me, kind of aggressively with people. And so I was always like, "Mm, not me, because I just make people listen to me talk about it and I get people excited about it and I share it with them. But now I'm realizing the deeper and deeper I go with it, the more it's integrated into every little nook and cranny of my life, the more isolating it is. Like, and you know, I was just out with a friend and her boyfriend who I was meeting for the first time this Friday and i knew he like had made a face at her when she told him about me and that i was an astrologer but he was being very sweet and kind about it and like asking me questions but i was just like i know you think you're like doing me a favor by giving me a, 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 a like an opportunity to explain it to you but i actually don't want to explain it to you so something you know obviously the opportunity to be with people where you don't have to do that the entry point is like i get you on that level which is huge
0: well, it's like, you know, your inner world finally being reflected in your outer world and you don't almost realize the difference until you're in the middle of it and you can you can use your shorthand. You can say, oh, you know, Saturn's opposite my moon or whatever's going on with your transits and people know what that means. You don't have to qualify it or find some way of putting it into words like you would in a consultation. Um, you can just talk your language really mm-hmm. naturally, and I love that, and I definitely miss it a lot.
2: And it's like a, there's a certain point when you're learning astrology and integrating into your life where it just becomes like past the point of no return. You know, like astrology's hit you on like a soul level. So then, when you're going about the world and the most people, most of the people you interact with don't get it. It's like you aren't seen in that way. You know, so being in a situation like Norwalk, it's like. We, we all see each other. We get to feel seen in this, like, deep way that we're missing in our day-to-day life, which I don't think I realized that I was feeling that until Norwak, because I wasn't there at my first conference yet in UAC. I still kind of had, like, a foot in both worlds.
0: And the way they say that astrology is, is like its own separate language, it's like you think in your own language, and so now for us that's astrology. So when you're thinking in astrology, that's what you want to have come out. Like, if somebody's talking to you about, um, you know, if a friend needs advice or any sort of thing that could be brought up in regular life, a lot of the time I think in astrology and then I have to translate mm. it into something that they would understand. And it it is a different experience once you're on that level. I think it's yeah. tough.
1: And I think because they might not even... Like, when, if you trans, once you translate it, the person might not even, like, get it in the way that you mean it, mm-hmm. because you've translated it, and there's no perfect translation, but when you just have the language that you share with people... I don't know, I think there's something cool about it, too, because I think astrology lets you get to a depth that you don't get in, like, normal relationships.
0: Quickly. There's yeah, no small talk no right. in between.
1: Yeah, there's no small talk, which I like. Um... <laughs> So I don't know. I think it's it's really it's really inspiring to have that kind of connection with people, especially like you know, you, like for I'm, I'll just speak from my own experience, like small talk with coworkers or just like meeting new people and like breaking the ice. Like it's much, it's just not easy. And so having astrology as like a mm-hmm. a, a bond, an instantaneous bond, is totally different.
2: Yeah, you have to like be careful in the real world when you're like meeting someone and already you're like. This is probably their rising sign, you're like, trying to figure them out, but in like I mean I never meet a new person and don't at some point find out if they know their astrology, but it's, you know, that entry point at a conference where it's like, my name is Kelsey, I'm an Aries, Sun, Sag, Moon, Sag, Rising. Like, immediately you know a little, a lot more depth to that person than you would if you didn't have that information, and it's on our name tags. It's huge. I just thought of an interesting thing, too. Like, so much of us get into astrology probably first for, like, self-discovery reasons, but then we keep going with it partially because we want to use it to help people, And it's interesting how there's kind of this problem that arises where the more you know about it, the harder it is sometimes to help people with it. Because if they're not actively seeking out your astrological advice, you know, but then you're in your normal life with your family members or your close friends that aren't astrologers. And they're telling you about this problem and you're like, it's just this, but you can't.
0: Well, it's hard (laughs) to give
2: advice without
0: consulting the astrology even if it's just in your head (laughs) because you can't totally ignore it either especially if it contradicts something that you would have advised otherwise and yeah it definitely gets complicated. The only other thing I was going to say about overall impressions is I really like that the conferences will do things like nighttime lectures or i think at uac and at Glack they do luncheon lectures they kind of let a new speaker get a chance to talk and see what it's like and a lot of the time those are going on when nothing else is going on and so they, they normally do get a good turnout and i i find that there's maybe things that i wouldn't have heard otherwise as far as subjects go and i'm, I'm really happy that they do that I'm, I'm looking forward to those a lot so
2: One thing I did remember actively appreciating and saying out loud at NORWAC was I appreciated that they did not have a lunch lecture and I appreciated that the lunch break was two hours because it's it's really difficult to give yourself permission to miss a lecture, at least for me. Like I didn't miss a single lecture slot. I missed one nighttime one because I was out and I just didn't make it back in time. But at UAC, I went to a lunch lecture every day and like one, that's exhausting to just from 9 a.m. to 5 or whatever, literally not have a break. But two, having those two-hour lunch breaks made it really easy to go meet people. Like, blow off steam and take a nap if you needed to, but also to go, like, have a two-hour date with a new friend. So I appreciated that there was no pressure to get more information. It makes sense. It almost
0: might make more sense if they're going to do it to throw on one or two at night and not overwhelm people with them. Like, don't have one every night, but just you know, have one here or there. Mm-hmm. And this night I thought was a lot easier to catch up with. Like I was able to go out, have dinner with people, and come back and be fine. And then at that point I was okay, like checking in for an hour or 45 minutes and then going back and hanging out with people. But you're right that the luncheon lectures can be really packed. And there really isn't a lot of downtime. I know with UAC, people were turned away, but there was just so much going on. There was really no time to go have a full lunch or talk to people. Yeah, you definitely need the breaks for mm-hmm. sure. Um, what about lectures in general? Like, do, do you guys have favorite ones or ones that stood out or like stuck with you? Or
1: I'm reaching for the program. I still, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let
2: me see off the top of my head. I really, the first one I went to was Adam Ellenboss's. Not the one about essential dignities. He was comparing Eastern and Western yeah. philosophy. Um, actually, here we go. Sure. Karma, enlightenment, and the role of Eastern philosophy in Western astrology. I was really excited about that one. I want to give it another listen. And I know he just kind of skimmed the surface. So I think there's a lot more like depth to study there. But I have always said yoga has kind of been my gateway into more esoteric things. And as a, like a yogi first, I've had that question before. Like I did not understand that there were all of these things that I attributed to Eastern philosophy and Eastern religions that were present in the Western philosophy and Western religion. So that felt really good to me to know that there's like, there's things that I, I didn't understand. I couldn't understand how there could be astrologers that didn't believe in reincarnation, which there are. And I still have a hard time grasping that, but I was confused about how astrology has this Eastern and Western history, but it seemed connected so much to me to Eastern philosophies. So that was, I mean, that's just my own lack of research. I'm not like history. I've never been interested in history before astrology, I will say. (laughs) Um, Astrology is also my gateway to history. But so that was just a really good lecture for me to go to, to kind of like reorient my brain to understanding the relationship between uh, a lot of these philosophies and spiritual ideas and their connection to astrology. So that opened up a new interest for me. and i'm I'm interested in learning more from Adam in general because I know he has a really strong background and a really strong lifestyle and practice with yoga. So I'm interested in having a teacher that uses both so much because they're both a really big part of my worldview and my practice as well.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because he really does have like uh, training in both sides of it, I think. and it's interesting that you came at it from an Eastern perspective, and so you kind of saw the connections and assumed that there was a tie there, And because I, I wouldn't say that I did particularly, but I do like to see how they influence each other, um, and Adam also, he he has a lecture on YouTube that was kind of based off the Norweck lecture, and he might maybe have a little more time to go into some of the things, um, and I, I think it's, I'm in the middle of it right now, but he goes on for a little bit longer and can can go into all that stuff, so...
1: Yeah, he has so much good content um, on his YouTube, definitely, and so it was really cool to see him. He was one of the people who I, like, I started following right before going to Norwalk, and then I was really excited to see him, so I was at that that talk as well, and I was really sad that I wasn't able to go, or I I picked something else because I'd already seen him um, when he did, what was his other one?
2: Central Dignities.
1: Yeah, I heard really good things about that Me one. Me too. I didn't <clears throat> go
2: because I had already seen him as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's hard. I, almost, I always go to see Adam, and this was the first time I didn't because I knew I would see him at Glack. Mm-hmm. and there were people during that time slot that I wouldn't be seeing at Glack, so I hated to miss it because Adam is one of my favorites, but uh, he's doing two different ones at GLAC, so. I definitely feel
2: guy. relieved knowing that I can buy any of the lectures I missed. That makes me feel good, but I haven't done it yet, and I'm a little worried I won't. <laughs> well, it takes so long to listen to them. I still have ones Possibly from UAC that I purchased
0: that I have not gotten to yet because I'm in back. the middle of longer classes and, and mm-hmm. courses. Um, one of my favorite lectures from, from this recent Norwalk was Lisa Shine's The Finding Joy and Meaning in the Birth Chart. I think, were we all at that? I didn't go to that. Okay, a lot of us were, though. Yeah, and Diana. Diana was there. And, yeah, she had a pack room as well. And just the whole topic, I mean, that's one of the, like, the heart of the thing that you want to do with astrology in a lot of ways is ultimately it boils down to joy and meaning. And those were the two things that she talked about. And I liked that she she used a lot of survey responses. Like she had pulled at least a hundred people from online and gotten their personal survey responses on where they find joy and what's most important to them. And she looked at their charts. And okay. I really appreciate that like in-depth research behind it. Um, yeah, what
1: was she, I think she was using like ascendant ruler placements maybe and sect or was it just
2: sect?
0: She pulled in sect, yeah. Um, she was talking about Venus and Jupiter as being the two benefics and that one, Venus's unification and then Jupiter's expansion and how a lot of joy and happiness and meaning can all be boiled down to those two concepts. Um, and just using the real world examples was helpful too because sometimes with celebrity examples you get really extreme stories. but. Um, real world examples it could be a lot more subtle and that kind of helps me more more related in my life or to friends lives Um, and she also talked about wanting to tie in like academic research on joy and happiness into her astrology and I love all that that she's thinking about how it all fits together and she's backing up her research so that was definitely want to recommend buying. I got
1: to talk to her a little bit about that, and it's actually like some economics research that's about luck, Um, so I'm interested to hear...
0: Oh, yeah, I have a quote from that. So she said something about the role of acknowledging luck in the making of a more just society, Mm -hmm. that sometimes what people have is just from luck, and then if other people don't have it, it's not necessarily because they didn't work for it, it's because they didn't have certain opportunities, or, you know, so on and so forth, so...
1: I think one of my favorite lectures was um, Sean Nygaard on the Sixth House. Did you, hear you go to that? I
0: heard good things, but I didn't make it to yeah. that one.
1: He was just so, he was so dynamic. Have you seen him speak before?
0: I've only heard him, I want to say he did a Jupiter lecture through Adam Owen Bass's site, and it was really good and archetypal, and yeah. yeah. He
1: was he was so creative about, um, well, talking about the Sixth House and how it's traditionally bad fortune, but then he was bringing in all of these like artistic images and just giving a lot of really cool analogies for how to think about that place as, like, a spot on a circle. Like, there is this one image of, uh, of a wheel spinning, and you have, like, the people at the, like, at the, t- at the side of the wheel that's ascending, so, like, the ascendant, um, people, like, hanging on the wheel and, like, ready for the ride up, and then you have the people at the top, like, in the 10th and the 9th house, um, they're, like, partying and, like, cheersing, and then you get to the sixth house, and there's literally somebody, like, falling over. And I guess I just, like, as somebody with a mm. sixth house telling him, I just, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was uh, it was really cool. Um, he's, he's really creative, and I definitely want to hear him speak again. Oh,
2: that's awesome. we yeah. yeah, I have a few things in the sixth, too. One of my favorite ones while we're on sixth house talk was Tara All's The Magical Axis of Virgo and Pisces, and I almost didn't go to that one. So it caught my eye right away because my nodal axis is Virgo and Pisces, and that's been, like, one of the things in my own chart that I've been exploring the most. I almost didn't go, though, because I was reading the description, and it likens Virgo to the sixth house and Pisces to the twelfth, and I've been, like, trying to be careful of not using the twelve-letter alphabet. i talked it over with Diana before, and she helped me get in this mindset of, like, Just because you don't use that and you know the woes of using it doesn't mean there's not going to be helpful information there for you. And it was great. I loved it. She was a very dynamic speaker. She has a lot of Virgo Pisces stuff, so I think just because we both have an emphasis on Virgo Pisces in our charts, her more on the Virgo side, and that's where my south node was, so I could, like, see her journey and relate to it a lot. Um, But that was really interesting, and I actually think that I don't know I don't want to get into a discussion on the 12 letter alphabet in astrology but I do see how there's a like a lot of resonances with that axis specifically mm-hmm. 12 6 Pisces Virgo Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, we don't have to get super into. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can I don't know. I've been thinking about it a lot more because I started not using it at all. Well, that's not true. I started using it a lot, and then it, very quickly I started not using it at all and being like, "That's bad." Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Chris. And, <laughs> and then, but then he actually said something on one of his more recent podcasts where he was like, kind of like repositioning himself, and being like maybe open to it a mm-hmm. little bit. And i started to see more. I don't know. It's. I think it's just a good tool for like finding your way through a chart. Um, like you, you just pick up little things in one part of a chart and it's helpful to have the, the other symbol there just to like kind of bounce ideas off of. I don't know if that makes any sense, but.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a personal choice and it really depends on what kind of astrology you're practicing. Um, I think the, maybe the most reason to caution people against it is just because it's a slippery slope and that once you learn it that way, then you start to make connections that maybe, aren't there or that are going off into different directions. But there's definitely resonances there, just like there are with the outer planets, Mm -hmm. even though they, you know, I don't personally use them as rulers. There's still a lot of similarities between, say, Neptune and Pisces. And so, yeah, it really depends on how you want to use them. And
1: for people who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the 12-letter alphabet, which is the idea that houses equal signs equal planets equal planets so like like
0: Aries is the first house Taurus is the second house then Mm -hmm. that comes up in modern
2: astrology sometimes so Mm -hmm. and then I loved Lynn Bell's that was the closing one right? yeah she did the closing yeah that Mm -hmm. one was really moving to me I almost cried at that one
1: how did you like how did you like the ceremony at the end? like the the, the, everybody standing
2: up whatever (laughs) (laughs) I felt whatever about it
1: (laughs) I felt it was super uncomfortable
2: (laughs) That's funny. I mean, I was standing near people that loved it, and I was like, I don't love this, but whatever, it's fine.
1: I had, had like, I was in the back corner because I came in late, and I think Chris came in, like, right behind me, so I knew that he was right behind me. And then, like, as we were putting up our hands, and every, like, we were putting up our hands. He slid away. I don't, I didn't see what he was doing, but I was, I, I, like, started to put up my hand, and I was, like... No, <laughs> because I was in the
0: back. I mean, it's so funny I of it? in the back, honestly. Like, we, we were, there was a lot of people where
2: I was. Yeah. It's so funny because, like, the worlds I exist in, the woo-woo world and then the rest of the world, I'm, like, the most woo-woo of all my non-woo-woo friends. They think I'm crazy. But then you meet Pluto but in But then I'm in woo-woo <laughs> scenarios. I'm like, hmm. I'm sometimes just like, that's a little much for me. I think it's a
1: Pluto-Leo <laughs> thing, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
2: What what was it? Should we describe it? It It was was just like a closing circle where we held hands and then Oh no,
1: I oh I wasn't even thinking about the holding hands thing. Um, I was thinking about the like oh no like so not the ceremony to end the conference which was the circle thing, but like at the end of Lind Bell's talk like, everybody stood up, and, like, we put our Wasn't hands... Wasn't that the same thing? Ramadab. Oh, yeah.
2: you're talking about yeah. when we were still sitting at the tables yeah. versus when we were in...
1: It was, like, a prayer for the sun, the moon, and... The oh, Earth. yeah,
2: see, that stuff was more fine to me because I do a bunch of chanting and yoga, and none of that, I, that all felt normal. Okay. I think it depends on the context, too, because, like, I,
0: I've seen it in other contexts, things like that, and it's worked really well, or it's, you know, but it... There were there were a lot of people. I think everybody was in very different moods. so yeah, well, that's um, I was burnt you know,
2: out
1: after at we were that tired. point. It yeah. was like the very end of the conference.
2: I got to so we were just about to sit down in some chairs when Laura and Elban... Were either of you at the table I sat at? No. Okay, so Laura comes up to us right before we're about to sit. I was with like Diana and I honestly can't remember who else. Yeah, I can't remember who else was there. There was a group of us that were about to sit down and then we got pulled over into the front and center table that Laura had just had dinner at. She was like, oh. do you guys want to sit here? So I th- it might have been a little easier for me to be engaged in Jeanette's Jeanette's speech that speech because I was like 10 difference. feet away from yeah. Lynn Bell sitting yeah. front and center.
1: Laura was, cool. Laura was so cool. She was one of the people who I love talking to. She was like so excited that young people were there and I think so excited that the place had sold out. And she's like put so much into it over the years.
0: Yeah, I can't believe yeah. how hard she works because she was so involved in running UAC as well. And I don't even know like
2: if she ever sleeps. I've told her four times now that I'm, I'm looking forward to being the future Laura Nelbandian.
0: I can totally see that, the way you are in Chicago. So.
2: But also as I am And we're going to need one. As I move towards my Pisces North Node, sometimes that feels less and less possible. <laughs>
1: Because it's in the fourth house, right?
2: Well, or, yeah, and just, like, what makes me good at all that stuff is my tenth house Virgo south note. Oh, I see, yeah. I'll know, obviously, I'll always have it, but I, like, need a lot more me time and naps than I used to. It's
1: just a dance, Kelsey. You can it's do both. Dance, you just gotta yeah. dance between them.
2: I was just gonna say, I found out... I thought that they skipped Norwak on UWAC years, mm-hmm. and I found out that they had a Norwak last year just a little bit earlier they and marched. a little bit smaller, and I was like, wow... The fact that she organized a NORWAC for March and then UAC, which is massive, in May, I was like, girl. Dedication. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's surprising because a lot of people, if they go to UAC, then they might have skipped NORWAC that year. That's what happened to me, Mm -hmm. but... Um, did either of you go to any of Jessica Legnato's lectures? Yes. I did. Oh, you guys were both there. Okay, I, I didn't go her. to
2: the one that I think I probably would have liked more, The Cultivating Emotional Intelligence. I did not go to that one.
0: That's the one I went to, and yeah. I really liked it. Um, there were so many quotable things. I actually put a whole bunch of quotes from her on Twitter because um, she just has a way of distilling things into like one-sentence remarks that just really make you think. And they um, really
1: resonate with... Like, like, she's really good at communicating for, like, a larger audience who's not just into astrology. So she's really good at, like, talking about things in kind of, like, a psychological way that people can relate to. That's what, I, I don't know, that's, like, what I found the most about, like, anytime I listen to her, whether it's on her podcast, which is great, um, where she's, like, breaking down transits for the week. Um, she's so good at, at putting it in a way that is meaningful for both people who have, like, a lot of background in astrology and for people who don't. So I think that's like, yeah, she that definitely showed through in that emotional intelligence talk.
0: Yeah, she's got like the counseling background. She's a really good speaker, um, and she's able to do like the tough love, but also the empathy and sympathy. And it's a really good mix, I think. I I also like her podcast, Ghost okay. of a Podcast.
1: I learned that about that. I I have a weird memory for people's charts, so I hope it's not like seen as a stocky thing. But um, she's like. Oh, like triple Capricorn, right? But
0: she mentions at ruled, least the Capricorn part yeah, of the show. Ruled, yeah,
1: but ruled by Saturn and Cancer. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I can see yeah. both sides for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Some of the things she said, like on Jupiter return, she said, evaluate whether the things you're growing are leading to your growth which people probably don't think about as much in the moment. Mm -hmm. And um, one that really resonated with me was, um, what will emotional intelligence cost you? It will cost you other people. Not everyone will like or feel comfortable with the new approach, and some of them will leave. And also that the more we're able to embody our own emotional intelligence, the less we need people to like us. And so the idea that sometimes people leaving is not necessarily a bad thing, and it kind of fits with who you are who you're becoming and you know what's resonating with you now and that new people will come in so
2: I went to her couples counseling talk which ended up being a little bit more technical I think um but you got you get a little bit of her wisdom in there definitely some good nuggets of advice that are applicable to astrology outside of couples counseling and also life um, but that one was cool because it was the first time I started exploring composite charts at all. Ooh. And I've not done much exploring on it since then, but I def- they were introduced to me in a helpful way.
1: How did she... D- did she say how she uses them
2: well she uses campanus is that how you say that housing system okay. she uses campanus so that was new to me she said i think she said it's the sign that doesn't matter at right. all yeah it's the angles right it's, the it's well the house is let me, let me see i don't want to get it wrong look at house placements yeah. not signs or dignity did she talk about aspects? sex um
1: that's what yes. I look at the most.
2: Yes, she yeah. says, look at house placements, look at aspects, don't look at signs. And then she talked us through like her what she relates each planet to in the relationship based on a composite chart. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it was it, my, some of my favorite stuff from that that was the less technical stuff that was like talking about how in couples counseling for astrology, the goal is never to get the couple to stay together ever and that her job is to promote the truth even when it's ugly hold both parties accountable and she has this little nugget of wisdom that I think is really interesting considering leaving someone is the only way to truly choose them so she's just like really real Mm -hmm. and Capricorn the responsibility that you have in that role and then the responsibility that everyone has within every relationship just being a hard ass about it but yeah Saturn and Cancer in a way that's also very like It's about love. The purpose of it is to heal and to get to the love. Long-term love.
0: That's a really good point that, like, the goal of couples counseling isn't necessarily to stay together. Mm -hmm. It could be, but sometimes you're, you know, you're not looking at the best
2: or healthiest option if you're ignoring the fact that you might need to separate. She says the goals are, number one, to uncover truth, and number two, to offer tools. But, yeah, I had never really thought about that as potentially being something I do as an astrologer, but I do find that I have a lot of interest in relationship dynamics in general.
0: So, That's the great thing about, like, going to all these different lectures is sometimes you find something you didn't even know you'd be interested mm-hmm. in, or if you try a new person. I really liked getting to see new people this time. Like, now I've gone to enough conferences that I was able to, like, skip some of the people that I normally go to see, especially, like, if I've heard them talk on the topic a bunch, then I was able to go see new people and, um, you know, find other astrologers that I'd like to listen to. But... The other two I'd probably mention would be Kelly Sturtees, everything she does I, you know, I adore. And she gave the keynote at NORWAC 2019, and it was great. It was really personal and really relatable. And, um, and Sam Reynolds also. Um, I hadn't gotten to hear him talk as much as I would like to, and so I made sure to go to a bunch of his lectures this time. And uh, he had some really interesting topics. He had the midlife cycle, talked about you know some of the outer planet transits that happen during midlife and what to look for, and then he also did some work on love languages and astrology. So.
2: What did you are you a Harry Potter person, Drew? I know you yeah, are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what did you both think of his suggestion that it's maybe not okay to call non-astrologers and non-magical people muggles? Because at first I was like, ugh. Oh. But then... I had the
1: same reaction. But
2: then I heard some other people saying, no, it's fine, and, like, justifying <sighs> it. So now I don't know where I stand on it's it. It's a
0: little complicated because, you know, like, technically in the books, muggles is not used as a slur, Mudbloods right. is the slur. right. However, it can be exclusionary as well. Like, sometimes it's seen, like, for example, like, I think when Hagrid uses the word muggle in the books even though he's not using it as a slur, he is sometimes maybe putting them down a little bit or, you know, implying that they don't get, they don't get it. Exactly. Um, but they don't. don't. There's a little
2: bit... But they're
1: still under the influence, right? Like, well, I guess maybe my problem with muggle... Like, I, I thought it was so funny when I first heard it and I used it a couple times and I was like, haha, like, I'm on the in-crew on this one. Like, I'm not a muggle, I'm an astrologer. But then the more I've, like... I guess after Norwalk, one of my big experiences, especially with, like, all the transits that we have going on right now, is seeing how they are, like, affecting people in my life who aren't into astrology. So I think one of the problems, like, with being a muggle is that if you're a muggle, you're, like, not under the influence of magic. Like, magic doesn't play a role in your life, but for astrology, that's not true. Like... Astrology affects everybody, even if you're not into it.
2: Is that true in the Harry Potter world, though? Like, are muggles never influenced or affected by the magical realms?
0: See, that's the difference, because
2: in the Harry Potter world,
0: it's it's a blood thing. It's if you're born... You can be muggle-born and do magic, like Hermione, but it really depends on what you're born as. Like if you... Like Petunia. Petunia, Lily's sister, she wanted to be able to do magic, and she couldn't. Her sister became a witch from a muggle-born family but petunia no matter how much she wanted to could not become one and could not go to hogwarts because it wasn't in her blood she didn't have that in her dna essentially to be a witch and so if you really want to get technical about it it's two different things because that's any they, muggle can yeah. become an astrologer whenever they'd like to, that's where know. the inconsistency lies. Yeah, yeah exactly so i mean it's it's if you really start poking at it there's there's definitely yeah. some differences but i also think that anybody that i've seen use that terminology they never meant it that way in the least you know they right. they were not trying to use it in an exclusionary way
2: um, it was just you know maybe people who don't know the language i think the power in it is like well so at uac a lot of people i realized at uac that for most astrologers and or people that practice different magical practices that There's a coming out of the broom closet moment that it's like this private, hidden, secret thing for so long and then they come out. I didn't have that experience because I just came like wailing out of the broom closet with no shame or fear. But again, now I understand why people feel that way now that I'm deeper into astrology. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um well just the isolating factor that I didn't used to understand as much as I do now. Okay. But um So to me, like using that word is sort of like taking back our power as people who think like this, as people who believe in magic and believe in the universe and believe in the stars because it can feel isolating and scary to be open about it sometimes. So then when you use, when you, I don't know, it just puts a different spin on it. That's like, yeah, I'm proud of, proud of this stuff. I feel positively about it. You're the one that's missing some information and it's it's not an offen- it's not supposed to be offensive but it's like i i have this thing this tool that's good
0: well and i can almost see um using terminology to identify what you are and you know how it's, it's almost better than using exclusionary terminology if that makes mm-hmm. sense like not everyone who's a astrologer is a witch but um, um you know something more along those lines uh you know using a term to describe what you are and what you're proud of rather than something that excludes another person mm-hmm. but yeah it definitely made us think more about it there was a lot of conversations on twitter and uh I think people were kind of using it without thinking that much about the connotations that go along with it
2: I have started using literate a lot like when I'm posting online I'll like post my normal reflection and then I'll be like and for my astroliterate friends bruh. But I do like calling my muggle friends muggles. I'm not going to drop it yet, but I'll be receptive to feedback.
1: Well, and if they're your (laughs) friends too, like that's different, right? Like if you're being... Like there are ways to say it and ways not to. Right. Like, if you're if you're tweeting you Damn
2: muggles. If you're if
1: you're if you're writing a tweet and it says like muggle in like a very condescending way, right. that is like the butt of the joke. Maybe that's not
2: Most of the time true. when I hear it and when I've used it, it's people being like, Oh yeah, sometimes my muggle friends react to me like blank. Mm-hmm. Or I was talking to my muggle friends about this, or mm-hmm. when I'm with my muggle friends. It's just like a way to quickly It's a shorthand. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Um, Did you guys have either fun or awkward social moments at NORWAC? Anything in particular that you want to share? That
1: I can share. Let's see.
0: I would
2: say
1: yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Period. Well, I think that's something that, you know, everybody online can relate to, to some degree. Um, There are a lot of people out there that I think also felt that way at times I know like for me I'm as you guys know I'm in the progressed balsamic moon phase and I've been way more isolated than normal like in everyday life and so pulling me out of that and going to a place you know where I I want to be social but I'm very out of practice (laughs) um, could be a little. A little overwhelming. A lot of the time for me, like I'll be listening to a podcast or I'll be reading something online and it'll make me think of a whole bunch of things and I'll want to go to a forum and start talking about it, but if I'm just like randomly meeting someone and I don't have something in my head at that very moment, it's still a little different for me because I I spend so much time online or interfacing with astrologers online rather than in person, other than you guys, which, you know, I know you guys really well, so that doesn't really count.
2: (laughs) I'm a super self-reflective person and relationship-oriented person. I have Mars and Jupiter in the seventh house, so I'm, like, intense about relating to people. And so I was noticing a lot. Like, everything that felt weird to me, I was digging in. Why? Why does this feel weird? What's happening? And I was noticing that because I had this, like, not a deep-seated fear, but, like, this, like, anxiety around knowing that the conversation I was in was going to end, And that I would be alone again and that I would have to satellite to someone else's, like, gravitational pull. I get that. I noticed it pulling me out. Like, I wasn't able to be super present in the conversations I was having because I would literally, like, look around every 30 seconds to try to figure out where I was going to go next. Because I was nervous about this one ending and not knowing what to do with my body in space.
0: I understand (laughs) that because sometimes you met a lot of people, but they don't happen to be around you at the moment or you don't know where they went or if they're, you know, going someplace else for lunch or sometimes the people would have, um, you know, meals that they bought through the conference and I didn't. So, you know, I I would basically go off site. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd have to find people who were also off site. Yeah, it really depended on who you were around. I mean, sometimes I felt really included, and you know, I would go out with big groups of people, and other times I was alone for meals. <laughs> so it really depended on who I found at that exact moment.
1: Mm-hmm. That bar was so open too. So it's like if you're out on the island in that or not the bar, you know, that whole space where the it's lobby, like the lobby, Just a huge
2: lobby, yeah, bar.
1: and it's so open and like, oh, I, I have this funny. Exp- this isn't exactly like an awkward experience, but it's an example of how I dealt with like the. The potential for awkwardness was. I would like, you know how the like you can see down from your room onto the whole place. So I'd like go and scope it out. This is like my Scorpio thing. Like go scope it out, see like where I can get my get my people together and do whatever isn't going to be awkward before going down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did to manage that fear. Yeah, <laughs> I did
2: a lot of that too, and also one of my tools was I would be like, okay, I'm alone. And I would just be like, all right, I'm just going to pretend I have a destination. And so I would just, like, walk across the whole hotel to a new destination. And half the time, you see someone on the way. But that way, I'm not, like, just meandering, looking around like Rick Levine. Did you run into him at all? A little bit. His body language was so funny to me the whole conference. It was very sweet. I wish that I had talked to him, but I just kept seeing him kind of, like, mosing around and like looking for people to interact with like he like couldn't wait to get into his next conversation which was adorable and great and he's like a famous astrologer like that's so sweet that he and does he that. a lot of people yeah so. but for me like I didn't want to do that that felt vulnerable to me so I would just pretend I was en route to somewhere and I'd be like maybe I'll run into someone while I'm pretending to be on my way to this thing across the building.
1: I'll definitely never forget his walk. Like, his kind of... walk. like, like his, little gate. It's like a little saunter. Yeah. Very slow saunter. We're all saunter. doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Stationary.
1: He was uh, he was so generous with the younger people too. Like I, I found myself sitting in a circle with him and like a bunch of people in their like mid twenties and I don't know. It's very cool. He's very like willing to take on mm-hmm. the like the wise elders. Yeah, I talked yeah.
0: to he came over to when I was talking to Chris and some other people. Uh, I talked to Rick a little bit. I think I actually met Rick the first time at my first Norwac. Uh, now that I'm thinking about oh, it,
2: cool. so one cool thing that happened to me that I guess you could say started out as a little bit awkward was one of the. F- The first person I met that I didn't know, well, that's not true, I met Forrest the day before, but I ran into Drew when Drew got there the day after me, and when I found him in the lobby, I didn't run into him, we were, like, texting to meet up, but when I found Drew, he was with this person named Sam, who he had just met, and so Sam was one of the first people that I, like, started a friendship with at Norwalk this year, and I really liked him right away, but I guess he told me later that he did not appreciate our first interaction. Uh oh because i said something like i made a joke about how i like was stereotyping him as a white man or something oh, yeah. it's fine we ended up loving each other it, i come on really strong sometimes but, um... That's Sam Ogden of
1: Earthen Compass, who does, like, really good uh, drawings. Beautiful artwork
2: that I need to buy. Earthen, I like... I told him I was going to order it, and yeah. I haven't
0: yet. Yeah, we figured out that we followed each other and didn't, like, make the connection
2: until oh. later. Yeah. Yeah, he's really lovely, but so the thing... it's It wasn't awkward, but he was the only person I met that was being private, actively private about oh, his yeah. chart, oh, yeah. which is fine, but just goes... It's so opposite of my nature that it was, like, I was... I never... The thing is, when I run into people that are private, I just never know that we must be so different that I suddenly feel weird you know so but but I wasn't like I'm private but not about my charts. right and so (laughs) we like there was this running joke between a group of us that became friends with Sam for the first couple days of the conference where we were like trying to guess and every now and then he would let a little piece of information slide but not enough to like construct his chart you know And then halfway through, I ended up on one of the nights I had been drinking a little more heavily in a really long, intense conversation with Sam and this other woman that I hadn't met before and didn't talk to again in the whole conference. But we were, like, going deep, and he did start to let some things slide that made me able to construct his chart a little bit, and I realized that he has almost like I've never seen two more identical charts before his to my partners Mm. and so I went from knowing Sam's chart the least of everyone I had talked to at the conference to knowing it the most except mine because I know Budway's chart so well so they're like their ascendant is four degrees off and they're four days apart. Wow. So almost just it's amazing, very little those movement. Twin
0: charts, you know, like I think Eugenia uh, from Accessible Astrology talks about that with her and her partner. I think too. It's it's very rare to see like something that close together.
2: Mm-hmm. And you know how like there's always this question of both astrologers and especially non-astrologers ask it, but we all wonder like how much do you really know someone when you know their chart. And I wouldn't say that I knew Sam much better, but I became a lot more open to him after that because I didn't feel guarded because I was just like, well, Budway loves me so much. You oh, know, like, like that was just like a, I automatically felt like comfortable and safe with him just from knowing that. So that was interesting. And then we talked a lot more after that. And it was after that that he shared with me that he wasn't a fan of my first (laughs) (laughs) joke. Yeah, (laughs) those environments. And I
0: mean, you know, it changes so much. Like, you know, you can have a similar chart, but then the environment you grew up in or the people you were supposed to can change you so much, you know, so definitely. Yeah, we have a
2: lot of fun, like, comparing his charts, him and Budway. And have since, too. How's Budway this week? How are you uh, You guys are still so in
1: touch? Oh, maybe that's just good Just through, topic.
2: like, Instagram messaging a little bit. I really suck at being a long-distance friend. Yeah, me too. That is actually a question I, I have on here,
0: um, which is, how do you guys keep long-distance friendships the rest of the year when you're not at conferences? Does anybody have any tips? How has it gone for you so I far? I mostly
2: don't. I did try again with Twitter, at Norwak, and I've been sort of keeping up with it, but mostly just, like looking lurking and liking i don't know the one thing i'm currently trying is when people respond to like an instagram story for instance i try to actually like allow it to engage me in conversation even a little bit because normally my go-to is like i'm running around i'm busy heart heart (laughs) you know so i try to like when i have time actually go in and talk a little bit but it's just not in my nature i'm focused on what's in front of me (laughs) I'm
1: that way too, um, but with the, I don't know, Twitter, Astro Twitter is so new to me, so I've been on that, like, a decent amount, um, just, like, watching, and, but I've also, so I actually had somebody visit me in Chicago on, like, a layover, so that was really cool, um, from NORWAC, and it was one of the people who I got closest to, so that was really cool, Um, and then, yeah, just, like, definitely instagram conversations like seeing what people are up to and then like responding to stories has been a decent way to do it and you know there there are people who i like remember having very i don't know people who i just really liked i guess and i've definitely tried to keep up with those people at least a little bit just so that next conference it's not like oh you're just that person i knew at the last conference it's like there's something else too
0: Yeah, because I know the way I used to bond with people, like back in the day, um, pre astrology, you know, I I used to have, like, because I'm so much more of a writer, and we would end up writing long messages to each other, and you know, I don't have time for that now. Like, maybe a little bit, but not consistently. That's
1: how you and I were before we, like, met in person, though. I remember that. Yeah, you were, yeah.
0: That's true, yeah, because Drew and I, um, for those of you who don't know, um, met through Chris's Hellenistic course online, but we found out that we both lived in the Chicago area, so that was. amazing because most of the time all those people are from all over the world Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean like that's how I tend to bond with people my closest friends even have always been like that writing relationship first and then we really get to know each other that way and then at that point we're comfortable in person and with all kinds of other things because we know each other that well but time is a real issue nowadays um and I don't know like are other people video chatting a bunch or are they On a text chain all the time, or what are people? Because it does seem like even people that live far away know each other pretty well at these conferences, and they must be doing something to keep it going.
2: Honestly, I get the sense that it's just social media interaction, both publicly and then like private messages from there. I bet it's more public. I'm sure sometimes it it blossoms into a different type of relationship, but. From what I can, that's why I was like, let me try Astro Twitter, I guess. When I was seeing people be like, oh my gosh, hi. I was getting the sense that it was just like, I like what you tweet. You've added me before. And know? sometimes you
0: feel like you know that person a little better if they do share a lot on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I know in a totally different fandom what's been helpful is like we have a messenger group chat thing going on and it's been going on for years and I've never really had that before. Lots of people do. I just had never had it until this fandom and people will just I mean there's only like maybe six to eight of us and people will just post in there when they have something to share or when something's going on with the fandom and it's not like Overkill, but you can turn off your notifications, and uh, it's just a good way of like keeping in touch with them throughout the week. And I still feel like I know what's going on in their lives, and so that's been helpful. I don't have it with astrology yet, but if anyone wants to start one,
1: this um. astro fandom.
0: Yeah, Astro Fantasy. Just like a chain? Yeah, it was just a chain on Messenger. That was just sort of organically what started, and that's worked well for us. But yeah, I was curious to hear what other people are doing, because I really do feel like I would connect to a lot more people in the Astro community, but everyone lives so far away. You can't just hang out and have big, long chats in the way that you would if you were in person.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Um, one person emailed me about leading the Chicago Astrology Group meetup at InnerSense, this fall who we met in norway oh, so that yeah. was right and then yeah.
0: yeah having people actually come here and mm-hmm. yeah that's if they're willing yeah. to do that that's all. i
2: tried to make that clear in person with people and then i posted it was like one of the only things i tweeted but i would love it i would love if people reached out who are in chicago because this community this chicago area is pretty thirsty i think for mm-hmm. astrological information and it's from what I I haven't done a ton of research, but from what I can tell, not being offered a whole lot, and we have like a really easy venue and space and community to do it in. So
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, what I've told people is, you know, we have a local NCGR and they do lectures typically monthly. There's a few months of the year that they take off. Um, a lot of the time, it's in the suburbs. Uh, there's also Friends of Astrology in Chicago that's been going for quite a while. And they do lectures as well. That's Amari.
2: Is that his name? Yes, yeah, so he so, was at at Norwalk as yeah, well. Yeah, I met him. Bear introduced me to him, oh, which good. I was really okay. grateful for. And we had a really nice conversation. And he was really excited to hear that there's something new happening in the city in astrology. I need to follow up with him.
0: Yeah, he's he's awesome. It's funny. I actually didn't run into him the whole time I was there, even though like we've totally you know talked locally and stuff. But but that's yeah, that's normally going on more, um, especially now that it's summer. I think there's more. Every month, there's something with that. But I would say those are the two main ones. And then there's a real informal discussion group at Panera that gets together the last Tuesday of every month. And I don't... There's no website for that. It's just we're all on a big email list, so...
1: Another thing that's kind of cool to do uh, to keep up with people is, like, listen to the... Or in the cases that I'm thinking of, listen to their podcasts. Like, I know Sabrina Monarch has a podcast that I just started listening to, and she was one of the people who I connected with really strongly at NORWAC, so doing that and uh, who else? Oh, Nate Craddock also has a podcast that I was actually just on, and so I'll be listening to his podcast a bunch. Just like hearing what these people are thinking about is really helpful. Um, just like keep tabs and
2: yeah, the one mm-hmm. friend that I made at UAC that I still I felt really close to at Norwalk, and it was Kip. To mm-hmm. Bo, did you both? Meet yeah, Kip? I listen
0: to the Basement Astrologers. Yeah, I say it's the Basement, I I the basement
2: Astrologers podcast, and it's funny because I know that Diana and Kip stayed in touch a lot more throughout the years she's really good at long distance friendships I'm like how do you do it I don't know but I did just listen we emailed a little bit right after the conference but not really after that at all and he's not much on the same platforms that I'm on social media wise but I did immediately feel like oh kit my friend slash astro conference dad and I'm sure part of it part of it is just his demeanor he's like a dad Mars in cancer but part of it was I've listened to his podcast like periodically throughout the years so I was like I know what's up with you
0: yeah same I, I feel like I know him better than you know I actually do I met him at UAC and you know we know each other a little bit but I definitely keep up with the basement astrologers and that's been really fun too so yeah so everybody needs to start a podcast basically <laughs>
2: podcasts are like the more comfortable versions of phone long phone conversations <laughs> Because there's no expectations. You're just like listening and cleaning your house in your underwear. There's no like nothing expected of you. Underwear. (laughs) Naked. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, do you guys have any suggestions for future conferences? Anything else you like hope they would do?
2: Yes, I was just thinking about this this morning. So there was a Twitter thread, another one that I did involve myself in post Norwak. Somebody was talking about the just the overwhelm of it, the overstimulation. And I was like, there needs to be a room next year that's like the under stimulation room, the calming room. With and coloring, right. With coloring, with like soft music, with like pillows and stuff where you can just lay and maybe people can offer I met so many Reiki practitioners there, people can offer Reiki there and maybe yoga and meditation could take place in the mornings before the conference because there really were no opportunities to chill. <laughs> and if you shared a room, which everybody does, you really like you're probably not gonna get alone time At any point, you know, (laughs) because everyone's on the same schedule. So anyways, I I put that on my survey and I've been meaning to reach out to Laura and say if you can get the hotel to give us a room for it I would be so down to help organize it yeah, I love that city. idea
0: I've seen other conferences or conventions do that where they have just like a chill room
2: yeah well, like music festivals where people do a lot of drugs they always have like this space that's like if you're having a bad trip you can come here and I feel like the overstimulation of being in a hotel with like fluorescent lighting and hardly going outside and being near people and getting so much information is not that different than like being on drugs <laughs> So having a space to just like yeah, and
1: it's, it's like they have the trade shows. So why not something else where people can like practice their art? Mm-hmm. You know, like I like the idea of having like Reiki practitioners and mm-hmm. things like that. It's like a kind of art.
0: I know some people were getting individual readings. Where were those done? They were just right outside. Them. the uh, Yeah, room. so oh.
1: I, I did one with Cassandra Tindall. Yeah. And it was just in her. It was in her room.
0: Oh, okay. So it would bet they would benefit from possibly having a space. I don't know how. Private. you can yeah. make it depending on how long those readings
2: no are. i imagine it but, being more like you're not supposed to talk when you're in there is how i imagine it yeah. being just total chill like maybe you can whisper maybe it wouldn't be strongly enforced but it's not just another place to hang out it's a okay. place to go and like try to be alone decompress. and quiet and yeah decompress i like
0: it that's a good suggestion the last question i have for you guys is how have you been handling the post-conference come down mm-hmm. A lot of people will go to conferences or conventions and then they'll come back and they'll be so excited and have all this energy and want to do all this stuff, and then they'll crash and hit depression because they're no longer around their people. Mm -hmm. I
1: didn't struggle with it too much, really the biggest thing was like recreating boundaries. Because when you're, well, this was my experience anyway, it was just kind of like everybody was an open book in a way. Like, not everybody was Sam Ogden. (laughs) Most people were, like, very Only
2: Sam was Sam.
1: Yeah. uh, Most people were, like, pretty open about their charts, and that was just, like... and And I was, too, and there's something about sharing that that makes it very easy to just, like, be open about your life in general. And so, like, going back to work, like, I do sales, so talking to people and, like, I don't even mean, in, like, an oversharing, like, it's not like I was oversharing or they were oversharing, it was more of just, like, an energetic shift that I had to keep in mind where it's like, okay, I'm not, like, learning your deep dark secrets anymore <laughs> or anything like that, it's, and, like, leaving myself, not leaving myself so exposed because there's not the same level of trust as when you're with a community of people who has has this thing in common. Yeah. That was my biggest, sh- like... Transition,
2: I guess. For me, that thing I said earlier about how so much of the magic is feeling seen. That was like the biggest loss for me stepping back into the world where like, yeah, this like really integral piece of who I am and how I operate is a secret. And not a secret in that it's a secret that I keep, just it's not obvious. (laughs) You know, people can't see me on a deep level right away and I'm not a private person. I have moon in the first house, all that seventh house relating stuff. Like I feel good and energized when I know I'm being understood. And now there's just this inherent like film of misunderstood that comes with me everywhere I go. That's not an astrology thing. <laughs> so that's kind of sad. But I also don't feel like I had, I like I said, I was home for a day. So like being in the airport coming back the airport in Seattle, I was feeling really heavy because I was surrounded by all these people like I had been, but suddenly they weren't astrologers. So that felt really heavy to me, but then I took a bunch of Xanax because I hate flying and drink. (laughs) And then I arrived home, and then there wasn't time to assimilate. So in some ways that's a bummer, but in some ways it's kind of fine because I remember the come down from UAC was a little harder because it was just like back to normal life. And instead of back to normal life, it was like, I'm taking a road trip to the East Coast now.
0: Same, like Kelsey and I had the same experience, you know, like she was going somewhere else and I went straight from Norwalk to Portland and then down the Oregon coast and had this long, you know, like week and a half trip after this uh, to look forward to and to kind of decompress and... Think about all the things I've learned, and I kind of call it my balsamic moon retreat because being in this period, it, I kind of wanted to lean into it a little bit more and and actually take some time to be in nature and just think and not be around a million people. And it was really nice just being by the ocean. And that sounds ideal. Yeah. That would be what I would
2: choose to do. If yeah, because then I didn't have me. to go
0: right back to real life, you know, I, I had a little bit of alone time after constant people at the conference.
1: Um, that's So, so yeah, what what exactly, what trip did you go on?
0: So, I was in Portland for a couple days. I'd never been to Oregon before, and Portland is amazing. I, I want to go back, and in the Oregon coast, I just spent a lot of the time on the ocean, uh, my rental car broke down (laughs) in the middle of it, which was not great. And I was alone at that point. And so it was, and I also had no cell service at the time. So it was a little bit of an adventure, but, uh, other than that, it was, it was a really good trip and I love the ocean and I don't get to see it enough.
1: Did you look at the astrology of your car breaking down?
0: I did. And I mean, there's several things, um, but, uh, there's a, Right now, Neptune is opposing my Mercury, and um, I had a coolant issue, um, mm-hmm. and I think oh, some wow. of that might have something to do with it, with the transportation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, w- I definitely thought something was going to happen, as it turns out, it was that. But I also got to see, like, a random, spontaneous baby seal on the beach, and things that I would never see in mm-hmm. Chicago. So, um, yeah, I really love aquatic creatures. I actually, from a cancer perspective, because I'm a cancer rising, uh, I saw a whole colony of crabs. All different kinds, sizes, colors. I was looking in the tide pools, and I just sat and watched them for a long time. And, you know, I'm not around crabs, so it was really fun. I actually, they've always been one of my favorite animals long before I knew I was a Cancer Rising. And, you know, they're, they're always, like, scuttling around, hiding under rocks. And then all of a sudden, they'll, like, go after each other and start chasing each other with their claws. And it was, it was fun to see them in action. it's so. cool. Yeah, so now Drew and I have GLAC, the Great Lakes Astrology Conference, and I think that also helps with the come down, is knowing yeah. we have another conference to go to. It
1: was such an impulsive decision to go, sort of like going to Norwalk, actually. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: the day I met Drew, I was like, you should come to this with us, and he said no, and then I think it was like 48 hours <laughs> later, he texted and was like, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised, but now, yeah, now we've got Drew. It's so worth it, and...
0: it's so worth it. Yeah,
1: definitely. Come see us.
0: And then I think Drew and I are both teaching at Kelsey's Innersense after that, so we we still have lots more astrology. Drew, do you know the exact date of yours? July 11th. I do.
1: July 11th. Am I right, Kelsey? Mm Mm-hmm. And yours is August, right?
0: Yeah, so July 11th, Drew is teaching on SET. Yeah, Yeah. so day and
1: night, how it makes you different.
0: At Innersense. And uh, I think mine will be August 8th. I'm teaching uh, annual perfections. It's just just the 8th. It's, I, that's what I That's what I told you? Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> August 8th uh, and at nighttime. And it's just an intro. It's, I mean, what we usually do, like 30 to 45 minutes. It's just kind of an introduction, start the discussion, and then people kind of go off and practice things in their charts and things like that. So it's, it's not, you know, completely in-depth, but it would give people a good intro. It is not
2: August 8th. It's right. August 15th. All right. Well, lucky I'm free then. <laughs> 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 so, I, August 15th.
1: Juniper and I are evangelizing the Chicago astro scene with our Hellenistic knowledge. <laughs> it's gonna an, happen. Annual perfections and stuff. <laughs> I sect. feel like it's
2: plenty. It's most of the people that... Well, that's not true anymore. At the beginning, most of the people that come were novice enough that, like, there was no pre-leaning any mm-hmm. direction. But now we're getting a little more seasoned astrologers. Of the people that aren't new... <clears throat> They are, I think, mostly have a modern background.
1: But it's cool because we can all learn from each other. And, like, that's one of the other things I took away from NORWAC is that, like, there really is no right way to do astrology. And, like, we can have techniques that work for us. But at the end of the day, we're all, like, in a community where our ideas are impacting each other's ideas and we're growing together.
2: Neither of you were at Chris's post-conference workshop, right? No. I was. You were. okay one of the oh that's right one of the things that he talked a lot about i think he has mentioned it on the podcast and mentioned it in other conversations but for me it really hit during that post-conference workshop was that like the the task of this next generation coming into astrology is going to be to merge the traditions and to find out how these things can work together like his generation's task was the translation and the resurgence of traditional Hellenistic astrology. And now what's next is the integration. Because there are things that Hellenistic astrology does not have that modern does that is useful. Yeah, so yeah whereas... I definitely do integrate and in practice for sure. Like I, I use Hellenistic
0: as a base um, and it's kind of been my starting place. But, you know, I integrate the outer planets, just not as rulers There's things that I just don't use as much, but that I do appreciate, like, I like using personal name asteroids, but it's just something I use very rarely, like, if you've got, you know, your own name or the names of people in your life and you pull asteroids that have those same names, I've seen a lot of really interesting connections there, and I think Demetra's talked about that a little bit, Demetra George. It's just something that I use rarely, though. I mean, most of the time, I don't necessarily need it, but... Depending on the situation, I mean, it's something fun to experiment with, and I really like secondary progressions as well. I feel like that's worked really consistently for me. It's one that I find to be really useful, and it integrates like without contradicting any of the Hellenistic stuff. Mm-hmm. So I found that to be helpful. <coughs> um, well, thanks you guys for doing this. This has been great, and it's been good to actually like talk through the conference um, afterwards. So I'm sure I'm sure I'll have you on again at some point. So yeah. thanks so much. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Hello, listeners. It's just you and me now. The three of us had to be done recording by a certain time, and I didn't get a chance to ask Drew or Kelsey if they had anything they wanted to promote. So, if you'd like to find them on social media, Drew is Fortunate Fire on Twitter and Anthroastrologist on Instagram, since he has a background in anthropology. Kelsey's Kelsey Tort on Twitter and Kelsey Rose Tort on Instagram. You can also follow InnerSense Healing Arts to keep up on what's happening with a segment of the Chicago Astro community. Always lots of events going on there. There's also a more general page called Chicago Astrology Group on Instagram that's aimed at promoting local astrologers and astro events. Kelsey's like our social media guru, so she handles all of that. If you like the work I'm doing, please consider supporting me by using the donate button on my website, midnightmoonastrology.com, or by becoming a patron on Patreon, which I've linked to in the show notes, but you can also just find me by going to patreon.com and searching Midnight Moon Astrology. Another way to support my work is by booking an astro consultation. There's a variety of consultations offered at the moment, including birthday present, which deals with the solar return chart around the time of your birthday, and which planet is your time lord for the year. Another type of consultation is called past history, which examines what the chart looked like during important events in your life. There's one called future you, which takes a deep dive into what to expect over the next year. And then of course your standard birth chart consultation. Right now I'm offering student astrologer pricing for a limited time, so feel free to check it out on MidnightMoonAstrology.com. If you're not in a financial position to support the podcast or YouTube channel right now, there are other ways to contribute, such as leaving a review on podcast apps, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel so that you don't miss future episodes. You can also follow my astrology practice on social media. Probably the easiest way is to just search Midnight Moon Astrology on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook... And if you'd like to get in touch, feel free to email me at midnightmoonastrology at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.